Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message, and if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Those are kind of scary words as we walked in underneath scaffolding. As we're building, I uh, hope we counted the cost. We did. We, as in you and me, not just me, <laughs> we've counted that cost, right, to build. And we'll be doing a capital campaign next year. To fill, no, uh, anyhow, well, we will. But uh, uh, seriously, though, it costs something to be a Christian, Jesus seems to say. It costs us to keep this building going, not because you have to have this building, anything like it, you don't, but because we need a place where the word of God can be taught and preached, where people can be gathered, where we can serve the community. That's why this building's here. That's why we're building on and uh, refurbishing it, etc., right? But it costs something. This is the 150th anniversary of the congregation of St. James. Not the building, not the institution, but the people of God. 150 years ago, 1869, people who were fairly comfortable down there at First St. Paul, just down the road, could have just stayed there as the place got packed. They couldn't fit people there anymore. But they could have, you know, I got my seat, right? Could have enjoyed it. But they didn't. 150 years ago, people paid a price because they wanted others to know that there's something more in this world than living like a dog day in, day out, and death. That there's forgiveness, that there's eternal life, that God loves them. And so those families left their comfortable situation and they considered what it cost to start a new congregation to build a building and they did it and here we are I think we take that for granted it wasn't that easy to do it wasn't just natural the natural thing would be we're fine they can figure it out for themselves because up north here it was uh, the population was growing steadily and all these Germans were coming in and unlike today Germans weren't cool back then so jogger. <laughs> But, uh, you know, they felt like strangers in strange land. And so, at some point, inspired by God and confident that he's paid the cost, those families left so they could share the good news and serve people and give a home and give a community to people that left theirs in Germany to live in this new land. And here we are, asked to do the same pay the cost so others may have a family and a home and a community like we do here. 
Jesus said these words on this journey he was taking. It's really just one journey. When he was born, he began a journey, steadfast, face like flint, is what Luke says, looking toward Jerusalem. And everything he says, as I've been saying, I'm going to keep on saying this, is in light and beneath the shadow of that destination that is the death and resurrection of the Son of God for you and for me. And so Jesus is on this journey, Luke tells us, and now great crowds were following him. Right? He'd been doing these miracles, he'd fed the 5,000, he'd healed the sick. People were getting, he was getting noticed and getting popular, it really was. And so Luke says, great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, watch it, Jesus. I mean, you got a movement going here? You got a popular religion you're starting? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, what are you going to say, Jesus? What do you think he's going to say? He turns around and does the most, op- he does the opposite of anybody who would actually give advice to growing a church. What does he say? He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, even his own life, can't be my disciple. Oh, that's, that's comforting. Jesus, thanks. We should put that on like in a banner outside. Happy 150th. Don't come in here unless you hate your brother and your mother and your father. Now, some of you are like, oh, I got that down. So, sounds good. So, <laughs> that's crazy though. And you know what? When you heard this, I hope you didn't like just let it fly by. Jesus says crazy stuff all the time. And he's either insane or he is God. It's either true or, you know what I mean? You've got to listen to this. So don't let him just talk like that and go on by. Oh, that's kind of crazy. I'm going to go to something else. What the heck is he talking about? You have to hate your mom, your dad, your kids, your life. Later on, he says, unless you're able to give it all away, you cannot, he says, be my disciple. It costs something to be my disciple. What is he talking about? We know that he doesn't mean. I just thought of Trump for some reason. It sounds like Trump's just crazy things. That's like that, right? What's he, and then he's always got to spin people. Well, he means this. I'm not doing that. If you read scripture, if you follow Jesus... He doesn't mean proactively go and hate others. This is Jesus who actually regularly said, love your neighbor as yourself. This is Jesus who said, give to the needy and the hurting when someone does not have a coat, give him yours. This is Jesus who healed the sick, fed the 5,000. He himself loved people. He ate with sinners, people that were despised or thrown out of the community or left for dead, like these people will never come to church. Jesus was there. Jesus is not saying hate people. Jesus is the one who loves people and tells us to do the same all the time. In fact, Jesus doesn't just say love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says what? Love your enemy. So he's not saying you need to go and call your mom a name. (laughs) He is preparing his followers for the cost of being a disciple. Not a cost that they have to go out of their way to pay. But it will cost them. Just plain true. 
I know it seems crazy because what's Jesus giving? What has he given us? What does it mean to be a Christian? It, it means to, to actually have hope, to know that there's a resurrection from the dead, that we'll see one another again. To be a Christian means to know that there's forgiveness for my sins, that I'm absolutely forgiven by the blood of Christ, paid for completely by him. I mean, it's, it's awesome to know these things, is it not? And yet Jesus is basically saying this, if you follow me, people are going to hate you. So in other words, get used to that. You might have to choose between mom and me. That's what he's saying. Not because you want to, not because you don't like her, but because you might get thrown out of your house. You might lose your job. You might be told by your friends, you're nuts following that Jesus. And so Jesus is saying that you need to hate your own life that you're comfortable in because you might lose it. So don't get so comfortable with it. And this is crazy, but that's, that's how it is. The world hates God. You need to understand, this is a fundamental theme of Scripture. The world hates, by the world, by the way, I mean you. Your flesh. We all go the other way from God. Now, first and foremost, I think we think in the terms of like, yeah, people hate it when God tells them what to do. We, they hate the law of God, right? And we do. We hate it when someone tells me I'm wrong. I don't like that. We hear God say, this is wrong and that's wrong. No way. Because we want to be our own gods. We don't want God to be God. We want to be God. And you do, don't you? Don't point fingers at those people. We wake up every, every morning fighting between God and us in our decision-making, following what we want to do that only hurts us eventually, or it's just a waste of time, and what God has given us. But that's obvious. I think people always say that. Oh, yeah, God, people hate the law. People hate right and wrong. But the world doesn't just hate the law of God. The world actually hates grace and mercy. I really mean that. The world actually hates love. Oh, we like it when it's love for us. But the world hates it when forgiveness is given to someone that doesn't deserve it. The world hates it when free things are given to someone that doesn't look like they worked very hard at all. You're just going to give that to them for free? See, the world and our human nature hates not just right and wrong and following rules, but we don't like freedom and grace anymore. That's the craziest thing. And it shocks us to hear this, but Jesus is saying that. I'm giving you everything. You're going to be a disciple of Jesus. He's giving us all these wonderful treasures of heaven, but it might not go well as a Christian living in this world because people aren't going to like it. Get used to it. That's what he's saying. It might cost you your job. You might have to choose between me and even your family. That's the same. So now when you reflect on this, how are you doing as the disciple? How are you doing? Have you rejected worldly goods? Have you given away all your stuff? <laughs> or are you like me? When you hear Jesus' words, what is it? he says, uh, 
Therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's basically what he's saying. doesn't mean you have to proactively give it away, but he's saying you need to, in your mind, let it go because you might lose it. Does that make sense? I stink at this. These words sting. I definitely have not always followed Jesus and said no to the world. I've definitely desired to be popular with friends or just be quiet when something wrong is going on. I definitely have withheld forgiveness or welcomed the stranger because I didn't want to stand out. Me as a pastor, I know you have. When I hear Jesus' words, I feel that tug between making the world happy, right? Doing what I want to do, making my own desires happy, and doing what's right and living in Christ's forgiveness. I don't fit these words, man. I don't feel like a very good disciple when Jesus speaks like this. It kind of strikes me down. Lord, have mercy on our wishy-washy faith. But let me tell you, the people that started this church, they weren't any different. They weren't some kind of mighty, awesome saints. They struggled with their own sins. They struggled with being popular in the world. I'm sure the decision to give a bunch of money so they could start this place wasn't easy. I'm sure there was arguments. And I'm sure some people stayed comfortable back in First St. Paul. By the way, don't make fun of people back at First St. Paul as if they're the ones that stayed behind. Jesus strikes us down so that when it comes to being a disciple, we all say, we are not worthy to follow you. You bet. But the good news is this Jesus that removes any sense of us feeling confident in ourselves as a disciple is on a journey. All the while talking, going to a place. Jerusalem, Golgotha, the cross. And on that journey, this large group of people that were thought he was awesome, they slowly disappeared. And while he enters Jerusalem, they get smaller. And then when he's arrested, not only does all his sort of like pseudo-friends disappear, but his 12 disciples scatter. None of them able to pay the cost of being a disciple. And there's Jesus alone on the cross for those crowds, for you and for me and all our wishy-washiness, paying the full price of admission into his glorious kingdom. Because Christ is the only one that has counted the cost and paid it in full period. It is finished, Jesus says. Payment complete for your sins, for mine, everything. And death conquered three days later. That's why people left St. Paul to come here. It wasn't because they had to to prove themselves as disciples, but they came here because they were disciples, because they had been bought by the blood of Christ, because they had hope and peace. And other people needed to hear about that as well. They weren't just going to keep it to themselves. They were given that opportunity, and here we are. Brothers and sisters of Christ, 
Praise God for the 150 years that have gone here of grace, of grace, of grace, of hope, of hope, of hope, of love, and love, and love has come out of this pulpit and through those classrooms about Jesus Christ. But we're not here just to celebrate the past, but we are here to go forward. Because we have been equipped with everything in Christ. Because we have everything with Jesus. Because we are forgiven and we have eternal life. And people out there don't know there's hope in this nutty world. And they don't know anything's for free, let alone God's love. And they don't know that you can go to a graveyard and have something to look forward to. We've got good news hard-working people who are tired and worn. May the Lord bless us for another 150 or until He comes again in glory so that we too are bold risk-takers going out there not afraid of the price because Christ has paid it. In Jesus' name, Amen.